Welcome to AIJ Cast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthame Sanders. As we continue celebrating our 20th anniversary, we look back this week on part of our conversation with Jeremy Green. Jeremy is a pastor and a poet, and he spoke with us back in 2019 right here in the AIJ Cast studios. Jeremy Green, welcome to AIJ Cast. It is good to be here. You're really good at like your introduction. It just rolls <laughs> off of the tongue. I really like it. I've been doing it way too long, man. I've had too many reps. Yeah, no. Nah. Um, let's talk about uh, poetry. How is it that you got into poetry? What is it about poetry that uh, grabbed you as an art form? So I think uh, for me, slicing into the, the cake that is poetry, I guess. Yeah. Um, See, there you go. There's rich, rich image right off the bat. <laughs> That's terrible. I would never <laughs> write that in a poem. Uh, parfait. Right? Parfaits are delicious. <laughs> Slicing into the parfait that is poetry. But no, I think, um, uh, so I grew up in a family where faith and music were super important. Okay. So I was always listening to music with my dad um, and got into hip hop through my siblings, okay. of course. Um, and so I noticed that throughout life as things would happen as I was in different situations, that I would think about things in terms of song lyrics, mm. specifically outcast lyrics, okay. if I'm honest with you. Uh, and it just kind of transferred from being somebody else's lyrics to my own lyrics. Yeah. And I just noticed that I kind of seemed to frame things in a poetic way. And uh, so through going um, to spoken word nights and open mics yeah. and being exposed to different Atlanta poets like Christina Schmidt and uh, Shay Alexi and Carlos Bar- Barboza, those uh super talented poets i was inspired to write my own stuff yeah um and yeah i just never stopped writing so and you grew up in atlanta as you've already mentioned yeah for sure so when when how like how old were you when you started crafting your own verse so i'd say that i was probably uh the first time i wrote anything down i was already maybe 21 okay uh, but I had been thinking that way and thinking of things since I was 17, 18. Well, in verse, yeah. I mean, as yeah, we sure. we know, particularly in hip hop, it's not always written down, right? Not always, Jay-Z yeah. memorized his whole first album before he even got in the yeah, recording. Yeah, for sure. Studio. I was yeah. listening to uh, to Gucci, the new Gucci uh, yeah. on the way over, uh, Waptober, uh, Waptober uh, 2. Yeah. And Gucci doesn't write. Okay. Gucci doesn't write. And I find that interesting from when I read his uh, autobiography. But I was listening to it and some stuff uh, hit slapped really hard and other things not so much. And I was like, maybe Gucci should write. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't, that doesn't, that not, not as a, not as a distant Gucci or anything. Yeah, it's no, you like, want to be careful. I mean, Gucci is like, you know, he listens to just about every episode of this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might slide through. Right, right, right. So you want to be careful distant Yeah, let me chill. Let me, let me calm down. <laughs> on the gooch right so you so really like your late teens yeah already starting to think verse mm-hmm. uh reciting already or Not just kind reciting. of just kind of it it's start the flow starting to come to you kind of thing or i was way more focused on music at okay. the time um i was in marching band and that was my entire life i yeah. ended up getting a, a trombone scholarship to college to march at Bethlehem university mm-hmm. and i was dedicated to being to trying to be a band director and trying mm. to do the marching band thing like black marching band culture is its own thing it's right? its own world yeah and i was encompassing that world like any moment of the day i was listening to somebody's college marching band on youtube with my headphones in wow when i should have been doing trying to figure out math the switch for you from music to Mm. strict verse yeah um or even you know verse without a beat all Mm -hmm. that what 
what what's the difference for you? What's the power? What's the drawback of each? Where do you see that conflict or that that uh, um, uh, synergy? I guess. Mm. Um, I think it's interesting. I think they kind of operate in different ways. Of yeah. course, um, they have different functions to a degree. I think um, poetry. Um, as it stands, just a voice uh, by itself without necessarily having a track behind it. Yeah. Uh, it, it. It forces you to focus on the voice itself, what the voice is doing, mm. the highs and lows, the uh, the inflections, right? Mm-hmm. The emphasis is placed on different words, right? Mm-hmm. Music, I think, wants to do something else. It wants to tell more than one story in a way. Absolutely. So the yeah. story of the words, but also the story of the beat. Yeah. You have so many people contributing to this finished product right? right you have the producer assuming that the artist rapping isn't the producer right right so when you talk unless uh the rapper and the or the artist and the and the producer are working closely together while they're both writing it uh there's i think that there's often one uh story being told through the inception oh, of the beat interesting yeah and maybe another story being told through the inception of the lyrics that go over the beat right yeah uh, and you're hoping that they come together to make this thing that's kind of inseparable. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, I think about Outkast when they went from having their production outsourced to when they did something like You Miss Jackson's and, yeah. and that kind of thing where, where Dre and Big were making the beats themselves. Right? Yeah. And you think about like the, so you know the story of like the Miss Jackson beat. Like they had a beat. No, I don't. They had a beat that they really they liked but it was something off about it mm-hmm. and then somebody suggested one of the two of them what if we played the beat backwards and so and so that whole beat is a, a, a yeah. the reverse yeah. of, of yeah. a beat that they created together uh, and they spit the, uh, the the iconic Miss Jackson song over it, it and it just seems perfect for it, it yeah it, it does it, it yeah. embodies this melancholy it yeah. embodies this difficulty dealing with Absolutely, the mothers of the yeah. children uh, that, they, that they have been experiencing right. together you know what I mean um, right and so yeah I think those things are interesting. Forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. It also makes me think of this. There's music where the the band or the artist creates a musical palette that clashes with the lyrics in a really mm-hmm. interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, the classic example I can think of is uh, 80s um, Every Breath You Take by yeah. The Police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where People assume because of the soaring chorus and bridge that it's this love song, but it's about a creeper. So, yeah, so I, I hear what you're talking about with music mm-hmm. having a different palette, different purpose. I also hear you talking about how um, you're talking about the the inflections. And so there's there's poetry as performance, mm-hmm. and then there's poetry as the written word. Yeah. Do you, I'm going to... Based on what you've said so far, I'm going to take a leap and say that you prefer the performance to the written word, but that may not be right. I'd say so. Okay. I think I think for me, um, of course, I appreciate written word. Yeah. Right? But for me, it, there's something about having an artist, having a poet stand up and give each word the inflection and intention that they created, that yeah. they, they had in mind when they wrote yeah. what they wrote, right? Yeah. When I read something, sometimes uh, you have to reread it and read it again to kind of see... Uh, from the words that you just said to mm. what I'm reading now, how did you intend that to be received? Mm-hmm. What kind of impact did you intend? It's interpretation, that to be right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I definitely prefer uh, performed or spoken um, poetry. But on on your point about um, 
music and how it can be distracting sometimes. Like yeah. I think the thing that it makes me think of, and and I have a southern bias. Yeah. When it comes to hip hop, yeah. So like, of course, I don't listen to a ton of Hove. I don't listen to a ton of Nas. Right. Yeah. But uh, with the argument of who's the better MC or uh-huh. who's the greatest of all time, uh-huh. I think. In my opinion, and for a lot of other people, Jay-Z edges Nas out. Ooh. I know you can feel the magic, baby. Because of the catchiness and relatableness, the crossoveriness of some of his songs when a critique that 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 uh, Nas has had for a long time is that he sometimes doesn't pick great beats. Oh, interesting. Right. That's that's a critique yeah. he receives. And so like you're listening to the beat and you're like, uh, eh, that's kind of whack. And you're not hearing what he's saying. When yeah, yeah, some yeah, yeah, people yeah. would as far as just lyrical ability, they'd uplift Nas above Hove in a mm. second, right? Mm. Mm. But then we talk about the complete artistry of the thing where it's like, all right, so do you like the beat? Sure, right? right. Are the things you're saying over it lyrical? Like, do uh, do they have some kind of purpose or function? Like, is, right. it, is it funny? Is it clever? Is right? it aesthetic? Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of ways, yeah. Yeah, and then like... I think that you have rappers that are good rappers, yeah. not good song makers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't yeah, make yeah, yeah. songs that are that people want to go back to and listen to, right? Mm. And so I think that that's also some like some of the critique that yeah. Nas. And so I I just think that's interesting. Yeah, right. So like you can have a song where uh, Nas is displaying this incredible lyrical acumen, right? Mm-hmm. But the beats whack. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, so it's a song mm-hmm. that'll get forget forgotten in history. Yeah, and we won't go back to it. We won't listen to it because yeah. the beat was whack. You yeah, feel me? Yeah, yeah. You, would you share some poetry with us? Sure. Um, so you know, you I'm sure you know Big Root. You're Atlanta. Is he also did this um this poem called Alphabet Acrobat back when um they were doing Deaf Poetry Jam. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love that poem so much, and so I kind of made an after poem. Okay. Of the same name, Alphabet Acrobat, that's similar to the way he did it. Okay. Uh, and so here it is. All arises this amazing artist experience is actually a bicep brain and backbone, but black boys don't burn bridges because every crack in concrete costs countless covered coins to live it assembly down generations like sun from dawn to dust. Yet evergreen eternal extend our efforts and look at y'all endlessly enamored, fickle and frightened and fierce with the fire and the flash. Let Freddy tell it. Gargantuan gashes greet nurses on gurneys going nowhere, but hell hath no fury like headed harlequin homies hoisting heavy hopes from my homeland in which anomalous instance was instilled. Jamming the Jacksons on jukeboxes, yearning for control like Janet, kicking stories to kill kings and queens to commit. Let that linger a little longer, like when Sir Lucius puts his left foot forward, this is good morning. Like lament when the sun rises, but mum's wordless mindless memories are mobilized. Though they say it's non-ceasing negotiated notification of domestic operations are ongoing. Paul popped the pistols and Puritans purchased people like prop toddlers. Crazy the quaint quarantine just posed to quaking quasars. I just got the cue. <laughs> so there we are. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what I what I love about that is there's the the play of alliteration, right? Mm-hmm. So you got yeah, the sure. alphabetical alliteration, and yet that's that's like the framework that gives you the ability to play within it, right? Yeah. Um, I'm curious how you see that tension of, of framework versus meaning. Is it helpful? Is it harmful? Does it give some freedom? Does it does that freedom limit you in a way that is helpful? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, so for me, stuff has to usually flow out of me naturally. And if it doesn't, I, I it's usually a throwaway for me. Yeah. Um, and so it just so happened that that framework, that that kind of um, template, yeah, I'll say that I'm given by Big Rube's work yeah. just happened to line up with something that flowed out of me naturally. Yeah, right. Because there's other like um, I've I've especially when I was um first writing, there's other um 
artists who have inspired me with a specific piece yeah. that I've tried to say, okay, so what is my spin on that piece? Yeah. And it just didn't flow out of me. Mm-hmm. One of those mm-hmm. is um, uh, Don't Listen to Me by the uh, poet and rapper Propaganda. Okay. And I, I, I tried to approach a piece like that where essentially he's saying, um, this is the first time you're hearing me, I'm sure, because I'm pretty obscure. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm, a pretty obscure mm-hmm, artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and these, he's kind of given all his credentials and all the things about himself. Like, my father is a Black Panther. I have a teaching credential. Um, all these different things. He's saying, but don't listen to me. We just met. What do I know? Um, and I tried to write a poem like that and it just didn't flow out of me. And so it, I did the poem that he made. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jeremy Green on AIJ Cast. We'll be back with more of our 2019 conversation in just a moment. But first, a quick word. As always, I encourage you to check out the AIJCast website, AIJCast.com, which is where you will find links to our artists, including their news, information, and products. As a reminder, all throughout our 20th season here, we are taking a look back with some of our favorite conversations and conversation partners, and we'll continue to do so over the coming weeks. And you can find links to these folks and so much more at our website. Just go to AIJCast.com. And now... Back to more of our conversation from 2019 with Jeremy Green. You started off by talking about your family growing up and the role of music played. Oh, and, for sure. And, and faith and music were important. Your dad's yeah. exposing you to one kind of music. Your your siblings are exposing you to hip hop. Tell, tell me a little bit about the, the music and also how it intersects with faith. Because yeah. I think there's an interesting tension of sacred secular kind of stuff that yeah. may be dissipating in, in many good ways. For sure. For sure. So... Um, my dad has always been super open to all kinds of music. Yeah. But his kind of realm is funk and jazz and R&B and neo-soul now, mm-hmm. which is weird to walk in the house of him listen to hear, like, find him listening to some bedroom pop yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, um, singer like Moonchild okay, or something okay, like that. Right, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That's like his vibe now, which is weird because um, he's old. But... um. <laughs> But yeah, so so he really was the one who put me on the stuff that was hot when he was younger. So he listened to a lot of Luther Vandross, mm-hmm. right? Because he felt like he thought he looked like Luther Vandross. I think that was a huge part of it. But also like a lot of uh, jazz, right? Yeah. So a lot of Miles Davis, a lot yeah. of uh, Coltrane. Um, he was uh, he had this kind of miscellaneous smooth jazz album, which like I despise to a degree. But there was one song that I really liked. Um, it was uh, Feel So Good by Chuck Mangione. Mm. And that probably is my favorite song mm-hmm. just because of memories of riding the car listening to mm-hmm. it with my dad. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, he, he had this depth of love of kind of all music. As long as he could, you know, find the beat, he, he'll listen to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but just like kind of stuff that was popular when I was a little kid, he, he wasn't necessarily into. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I remember having my siblings who were listening to a lot of, especially when I was little, little, like uh, early 90s. Um, they were listening to a lot of um, Snoop and a lot yeah. of pop and a lot of Outkast, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you get into kind of like the snap music era when I'm like in middle school. So you have your OJ the Juice Bands and your Waka Flocka Flames and that kind of thing. Kind of just the Atlanta rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Kind of. Um, but then you had um, my grandfather, which was interesting. He was uh, the pastor of the church we went to. Okay. He was the bishop of the district. Okay. And he was our next door neighbor. Okay. Um, and so if I had wanted to run from church, there's no way I could ever. <laughs> but um, but um, he was strictly sacred, no secular. Okay. Right. So we were listening to a lot of um, 
a lot of like gospel quartets. Sure. And that kind of thing with him. He wouldn't even do Kirk Franklin, of course. You so know he, what I mean? So, so he's Blind Boys of Alabama, Dixie, oh, Dixie Hummingbirds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Something like Mahalia Jackson. Okay. That kind and, of but thing, Kirk right? Franklin was too much. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. He, he, he struggled with like a Donnie McClurk and he wouldn't... Uh, <laughs> do that even so quartets mass choirs and then and then that's it for sure yeah for sure um and so um having that influence though it wasn't something that was like supported or reinforced in my own home right right, right. your and dad very, had already kind of stretched the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was inter- there was a bit of a dissonance where it's just kind of there was kind of a, like a uh cultural expectation mm. to behave a certain way like in public and at church mm-hmm. but like at home, it, it was much more of a free vibe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or so, well, you know what? It was no secular music on Sundays. Interesting. That was the vibe. And so, so it was we listened. the Sabbath. It was a whole set apart kind of day. Yeah, know? for sure. For yeah. sure. And what my mom would always say, like she would say whether we were listening to music or whether we were just too loud. She would say, prepare your mind for worship. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. It was just basically, hey, sit out and shut up. Like, I'm trying to get ready for church. But she would say, prepare your mind for worship. She's triangling Jesus into the conflict. Oh, know? no, 100%. 100%. And I just thought that was, I think it's really funny now. Yeah. She also used to say uh, when we were uh, when we were getting too rowdy, she would say, um, y'all are so bad, y'all would, y'all would tear up the devil. <laughs> I think that's really funny. Which sounds like a good thing, right? Like right? now it sounds like a positive thing. That does, thing. right? Yeah. If the devil exists. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um so so you're already kind of living in this world where there's a there's a understanding that there's there's the public persona where you've got to kind of be the the yeah. grandson of the bishop. Yeah. Uh and then the private persona which is this broader cultural uh context yeah. of music. I'm curious if that translated into poetry, mm. although your entry into poetry was largely through hip hop, it sounds like. So yeah. I don't know if that would have translated. Yeah. So um, what what's so interesting is that the lens of faith somehow finds its way over my eyes. Yeah. No matter what I'm writing about. Okay. Almost, right? So even in Alphabet Acrobat, right? Yeah. Uh, somehow we get to Paul Pop the Pistols, then Puritans purchase people. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, which is inspired by a propaganda line, actually. But okay. like, uh, in a poem that's kind of about black pain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's interesting that we that we get there. Um, or even there's a there's a poem I wrote about a particularly bad uh, breakup mm. that I realized later after writing it, it's about communion. Mm. It, was, it was just like what? Like I didn't. Wow. And somebody else had to point it out to me. And the poem goes, and I'll call this. The curious case of cardiovascular call from sarcophagus. In other words, you killed me. I rose on the third day and you killed me again. Tell me how my flesh tastes. Just the, just that line, right? Tell yeah. me how my flesh tastes, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, this is the, the body of Christ broken right. for you. Right. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you type right. situation. And I didn't, and I make another, um, I make, and I didn't even realize that you killed me and I rose on the third day. Like, I, I didn't realize that while I was writing it, which that probably that makes me sound a big dumb dumb. You know what I mean? Because, like, whatever, what other reference is that, right? But somebody else had to, had to, had to point that out to me. Like, this is about the death and resurrection of Christ well, as you see it through your experience of a heartbreak and then communion. You know what I mean? Well, and the heartbreak of Jesus, right? I mean, that's mm. the, the, the betrayal, yeah. which is the ending of a lot of relationships, right? So, yeah. so the themes are right there. And, it makes sense to me that those phrases would come out of you without you recognizing it, because yeah. when you're steeped in that language, which I hear from you know being the grandson of a pastor and just mm-hmm. my own imagination of what that means, yeah. it's just 
part and parcel of every day. Yeah. Right. So the fact that you have rose on the third day, that just that's just that's just language. Yeah, for right? sure. It's just something you hear all the time. Yeah. So you've gone into ministry. Yeah. Uh, and I'm curious where the call to ministry came out for you, where it, where it pulled you in. And then I want to knit it back to talk about poetry and ministry okay. together. So, so let's talk about you're, you're steeped in this uh, culture of grandson of the bishop, yeah. listening to not Kirk Franklin, yeah. at least not with grandpa. <laughs> nope. Um, but eventually you respond to this vocation. Yeah. Um, I would describe my call to ministry or my acknowledgement of my call to ministry to be a lifelong thing. Okay. Um, I loved my grandfather so, so, so much. Yeah. Uh, and he would let me when he went around to do business at different churches and just to visit, right. Yeah. And just be a pastoral presence. He would let me go along with him. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I noticed from a, from a super young age is that wherever my grandfather was, people knew they were loved. Mm. People knew that they were loved. And it was just like, to me, it was like a superpower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, something in me said, I'm built to do that. Wow. Um, and it wasn't just because this is my grandfather and I want to be like him. It yeah. was just some, like something inside of me said, that's what you are for. Wow. Right. Um, but also just um, when you are young, often in the black church, you're expected to at different times stand up and speak. Right. Right. Um, where I know a lot of traditions. Uh, sometimes you don't really see young people up front, right. but like whether right. it's just an Easter speech, mm-hmm. right? Or sometimes you have you're 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 given the assignment of giving a small hobbly. It's it's the public part of faith that you right. we've already talked about, yeah, right. yeah. And you're right. the you're the heir apparent at a certain point, right? <laughs> yeah, it'll, in a way. Um, <laughs> but um, whenever I got the opportunity to, from a young age, whenever I got the opportunity to talk to people about God, I had this feeling of fulfilled purpose also. Mm-hmm. Right. So that also it wasn't a thing I shot away from. It wasn't a thing I was afraid to do, mm-hmm. even though I generally didn't really like speaking like public speaking. Yeah. If I got to talk about God, it was all good. Huh. You know what I mean? Um, I still kind of feel that way. Yeah. Um, preaching a sermon is way different than trying to share poetry. Yeah. It's, it's a way different thing for me. And I just find it so interesting. What, what's uh, t- t- let's let's break that down a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. curious about that. So I don't know. I experience a lot. I'd have a like chronic anxiety like legitimate <laughs> diagnosed um clinical slash chronic anxiety mm-hmm. um and i suffer from like anxiety attacks and that kind of mm-hmm. thing and so if i know that i plan to share a poem sometimes that do get the better of me and mm-hmm. i might end up not going up i mean it's just it's just a thing for me yeah right um but when i have to preach i mean hey you can't really show up on sunday morning but hey y'all i'm i'm not i'm, I'm not, not feeling gonna, it I'm not, yeah i'm gonna preach today yeah i don't i don't have anything in the chamber <laughs> but um <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It, there's there's much more assurance even in anxiety and nervousness when when I preach. I huh. don't know. I, like you uh, used to hear preachers when I was growing up say, uh, in the middle of a sermon, I feel my health coming. Mm. You know what I mean? And I, I just kind of always feel the health. You know what I mean? In a, in mm. a way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I find that interesting. That is yeah. an interesting uh, distinction there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's kind of knit those back together so you you go through seminary yeah. you're graduate of seminary you're yeah. doing professional ministry yeah uh is poetry a side hustle is mm-hmm. it a 
uh, a hobby? Is it witness? Is it, mm. you know, how does it fit into this? Or is it all just, I, it, one, of, one of the questions that's always interesting to me is a lot of times people have these kind of artist minister kind of lives. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's a clear overlap mm-hmm. and sometimes the only overlap is the person themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious. Yeah. I see it as a lens. Mm. I see the lens just as I see faith as a lens. So okay. I think that we all have this task, this this super hard task of just being people in the world, mm. right? And so we, being a person is just a hard thing to do. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then if you start talking about what kind of person you want to be, do you want to be a kind person? Yeah. Do you want to be a, a person that people can depend on? Yeah. Life becomes even harder as you begin to refine that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that Faith gives you a lens, right, through which to view those things, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think poetry for me does that too, right? Mm. It says uh, it says to me, okay, these are the plain parts of what it means to be a person. Mm-hmm. How do these things fit together to make a picture? Yeah. Yeah. So how do these things fit together to make this picture? And what does that picture say? Yeah. And what do you want that picture to say? Yeah. Right? Um, and so... When I combine that with the 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 idea of faith in me as a minister, because I um I think about being a poet as just something you are. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and so, uh, if I want to communicate the idea of inclusion as a part of faith, mm-hmm. what does the poetry lens say about that? Mm. How does the poetry lens um help me paint that picture? How does yeah. the poetry lens help me put together what it means to be a person in the world who yeah. is? inclusive or works towards inclusion jeremy green on aij cast you can connect with him online at his church saint luke's united methodist church in orlando florida at lukes.org on our next episode filmmaker sibia tamarkin aij cast is made possible through the support of listeners like you we can only do what we do because of that support so please do take just a moment and go to our website aijcast.com where you can click on the link that says support and we do love to hang out with you in the media socials we are there on a multitude of platforms where our handle is aijcast Our theme music comes from our house band, Mard Fame. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the somewhat jealous Al Mudif. Al is working on his own podcasting encyclopedia. And I asked him if I could see the entry on RSS feeds. I just got the cue. And I'm your host, Marthame Sanders, encouraging you to create some beauty of your own. And remember that the world isn't truly beautiful until it's beautiful for all. Until next time, I hope that you'll paint your own canvas with justice and peace.